Yay, Backwells and Chillers. I'm Ollie from near Philadelphia. I'm Cinna from Ohio. And this is, as I already just said, Backlist and Chill. We are in season six and on to book number three. We're talking about Falcon Dance by Amelia Atwater Rhodes. Clap, 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 clap. So, want to talk about what we're drinking first? Sure. What are you drinking, Ollie? So today I'm drinking absinthe as usual, but I'm super happy because I was able to order groceries and deliver some little mini bottles of Seagram's ginger ale. So we're back to the good shit. Not the last week's shit wasn't good, but it's cold uh-huh. and delicious and has so many ice cubes. <laughs> that shit ain't getting warm until Fuck, it gets no. watery. Exactly. It is delicious. It's licorice and it's a little gingery. I like it. What do you got? Uh, so this week I made a white falcon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Appropriate. I do want to say, sorry, Raven. I super wanted to do you tried. the gin that you suggested. I super tried. They literally don't have it in Ohio. I'm really sad that they didn't have it in Ohio. But the drink that you do have, uh, the picture, people should totally look at this picture. Because this drink looks like some of the descriptions of Anmik, the White City. Like, thank you. You have this nice, like, icy white ice cubes in there. It looks like a floating island. It's got that, like, sunset colors. Tell me about the White Falcon. What's in it? (laughs) Well, thank you for your compliments for my photos. It's so flattering. Um... (laughs) I mean, your photos are great and have, like, so many props and good composition and, like... Thank you, thank you. If people look at my pictures, everything is meant. Everything has meaning. Read into the clues. That's true. If you look at it, you know what Falcon Dance is about. (laughs) Um, So, the White Falcon is horchata, a vodka, and coffee liqueur. And that's it. Yep. The coffee liqueur is shockingly good. Like... I didn't expect it to taste good by itself. I thought mm-hmm. I was going to have to, like, dump something in there to make it more palatable. Like you usually do. Like I usually do, yes. But no, the coffee liqueur is actually really good. It's, like, pretty sweet without being, like, too sweet. I don't know. It turned out good. So, A-plus recommended. Excellent, excellent. I'll have to try something with coffee liqueur when I can, you know, go to a store that has booze. Because mm-hmm. I love coffee things, even though I don't drink coffee. It's very yummy. That's nice. I'm really glad. I love it. Oh, we got good drinks. All of this. All right. Now I'm going to read us the blurb. You're going to do it, and I believe in you. Okay. This time I have a hardcover, and I have a nice little sleeve on it. Mm -hmm. So, Nisius has never felt completely at home among the avians and serpiente in Wyvern's court. Despite his loyalty to Eliza Chardet Cobriana, the heir to both thrones, he is a falcon, the son of two exiles from Anmik, and images of this distant island have always haunted his dreams. But when Nicias's visions become more like reality, his parents have no choice but to send him back to the homeland, and a royal falcon they've tried their best to forget. If Araceli won't bind Nicias's newfound magic, it could destroy him. In a place where everyone is a pawn, only one other woman has the potential to save Nicias, but she holds the keys to a dangerous power struggle that will force Nicias to choose between his duty 
and his destiny. In Falcon Dance, Amelia Atwater Rose takes readers to the perilous white city and continues her gripping tale of the feuding shapeshifters. That is the blurb on the book. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty accurate. Yeah. I also don't feel like it gives away too much because it doesn't say another, only one other woman and her name is Darian. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like it, it leaves it open to, oh, maybe it's this person, maybe it's that person, maybe it's this person. Yeah, no, it's it, the book benefits from having a premise that doesn't really change halfway through the book. So, <laughs> Agreed. Very much agreed. <laughs> like, the goal remains the same. Yes. <laughs> Good on you, book. You got a blurb. This is, I know we've, we very rarely end up with um, blurbs that it's like, good job. Mm-hmm. So, A+. plus. Do you want to tell us about the cover? Yeah. By the way, my book doesn't smell like anything. Oh, let me check. What let me do check you have? On. Do you have hardcover or paperback? I have hardcover. Okay. It just kind of smells like a shoebox, but without the shoes. If I inhale real deep, I can get a kind of papery smell. Hold on, let me do it. Let me do the the flip test. Yeah. Well, like, I'm getting paper, but like I said, like a shoebox, like cardboard, not book. Yeah. I I get so little scent that if I didn't already know that these books don't smell anything, I would be scheduling a COVID test. (laughs) (laughs) It's very, it's very nothing. A plus contemporary humor. (laughs) Literally. While I was smelling it, I was like, I don't smell anything. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. (laughs) These books, they don't smell like anything so much. I would schedule a COVID test. I didn't already know that. Like, I love you. Just had a little heart attack. It's fine. Right. It should smell like a book and it doesn't. Oh, that's fine. It's a book after the year 2003. Okay. I know. I am so curious when we start, like, reading newisher books Mm -hmm. to, like, smell them, too, and find out, like, if it's all books or if it's just these books. Right? Is it just Random House? What happened? Like, I know we've we've already decided on what our next season's going to be. But, like, I'm getting a newer book, so mm, we'll find out. Yep. We'll just have to see. Uh, anyway, so this cover. Yeah. Uh, I think that this cover is maybe my favorite so far, even though I feel like I've seen these eyes in another Cliff Nielsen book at some I, I point. I thought you had found it. They might be his... Uh, Snow Queen eyes? I don't know. Yeah, like the eyes look very familiar, which kind of works for the book, too. Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, it's a big gold-tinted picture of a man with falcon wings falling into the sea. And, like, on the upper part of the cover are a set of eyes that are watching him. Um, And then across the middle of the cover is Falcon Dance in the official Keisha Raw font, TMDM. And, of course, it's got that black border. But, of course, it's still reflective. So, like, the border can be tinted whatever color the cover is. And it says the Keisha Raw, Volume 3, down at the bottom. And up top it says Amelia Atwater Rhodes, author of Snake Charm. And the only reason they put Snake Charm on there is because it was the one right before it. Yep. And I like this. Like, I think that the image is really cool. It's got, like, a very, like, Renaissance angel feel to me. Oh, yeah. 
This one and the and the fifth one have that Renaissance thing going on. Mm-hmm. It, it's a good composition. Like it's very striking. Um, it looks like the dude's naked, which is kind of fun. <laughs> he's he's wearing some kind of like just something covering his junk. <laughs> That's right. It. He's otherwise bare feet and bare chest and like tight curls on his hair. Yeah, it's got a very classical look, and I I enjoy that for, like, a a YA fantasy cover. I think that's a really neat idea. Certainly, it's the most engaging, or more engaging than Snake Charm in Hawk Song. Like, Hawk Song is pretty on its own. Like, you'd see it and be like, what's that? But this, Mm -hmm. I would be like, what is that? Because I get, like, big Icarus feelings from it. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my Mm -hmm. god, you flew too high. You flew too close to the sun. There's a lot of, like, fieriness to it. There's a snake skin pattern on the right side there's good swirly bits and then underneath him you see the ocean and if you look by his hand you can see what is representative of the white city oh okay i can kind of see it like a little holographic yeah citadel in the background yep like if you move the cover in the wrong way it just disappears you don't even see it that's a really nice touch. Yeah, I thought that was really cool the first time I, I recognized it there. And I feel like the swirly bits are meant to evoke him seeing the writing. Mm, okay. It's really good composition, like you said, but it also is super relevant to the book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I feel like it's been a while since we've run into one of those. Yeah. And um, the title, too. Like, Falcon Dance is a really intriguing title. Yeah. Um, so to see it paired with like this image is just like, oh, this sounds like it's going to be something really cool and really different. Right. Because it's like falcon dance gives you one image. And then it's like, what if that falcon was falling into the ocean and there were like kind of ominous eyes over him? You're like, well, hello, what are you about? Right. <laughs> right. And then you read the blurb and you're like, hmm, OK, this could end poorly for you. But yeah, it's a good cover. It's a good cover, Steve. <laughs> but they're not all good covers. Um. Yeah, if I didn't know this series, I would see this cover, I would read that blurb, and I would be like, yeah, I could try this. Yeah, yeah, it's it's good packaging. Mm-hmm. A plus, good job. <sighs> so, what are you thinking? What are your, what are your feels heading into the podcast today? Um, I think that this still has a lot of the flaws of the series so far. Mm-hmm. Those obviously aren't going to go away. <laughs> but I think that this is probably the best version of what it's trying to be so far. This is certainly the most interesting. Like, I, I didn't want to put it down the way I wanted to put Snake Charm down all the fucking time. <clears throat> and for good or for, you know, for better or for worse, it really helped clarify for me what this series is trying to do. You mentioned, yeah. For me, this is sort of the keystone to the series so far, um, and I more or less enjoyed it. Like, obviously, I have issues because I have issues with fucking everything, and I have some big issues that we're going to have to unpack. Yeah. But I think this is probably the most successful execution of this series so far. All right. I agree. Reading this, I couldn't tell if it was a good book. <laughs> Not because I was like, is it a good book? Is it a bad book? But because I'm like, well, I just came off of Snake Charm, which is one of one of my most hated books that I've read. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, well, maybe anything will feel okay after that. But, you know, like, I'm pretty good at separating my feelings on these things and, like, looking at it 
just like as its own piece. And, you know, I thought to myself, like, well, I was never bored. You commented that you didn't want to put it down constantly like you did with Snake Charm. Like, last night, I was like, okay, I'm just going to read, like, you know, one more chapter. And I read, like, three more chapters. I'm like, well, that's a good sign. You know, I was just going to read one. And then I just kept going. Like, I was very interested. I feel a lot of internal conflict about how much I was interested in this book. (laughs) Um, So I'm like, well, we'll talk about that. But... It held my attention. It kept me up later than I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. The narrator was, at turns, infuriating. (laughs) And at turns, like, a really sweet kid. He was a character. And I actually had any fucking opinion about him. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, his... No one else should have been the narrator of this story. This was Nicia Silvermead's story. That I fucking appreciated. So Yes. And like you said, it has a lot of the problems that the other two books have had, and we're not going to lose that. <laughs> right. But this one this one really felt like, oh, hey, I just watched a three-story arc of a TV series. Yes. Definitely had a feel of, like, a season to me, you know? Yeah. So, well, I'm glad that both of us walked away from this one being like, hey, I didn't hate it. I actually had a good time. <laughs> right. I was so worried. After the last one, because I couldn't remember much about Falcon Dance. I remembered that I liked it, but I couldn't remember why. Mm-hmm. Because it's been so long. You know, like this book was, what did I say, 2005? That's 16 years ago. Dude, um, same. So it's like, what do I remember? I don't know. Falcons and Nisius goes to the island. Mm, that's it. Uh, so it's like, do I just remember liking it because it wasn't? bad do i remember liking it because there was some fun (laughs) stuff in it like what's going on here so after snake charm which was terrible and hawk song which was surprisingly terrible like in different Mm -hmm. ways this was like a fucking shot in the dark who knows where it's gonna go yes i agree what you said there though that this is the keystone of the series (laughs) um yeah yeah i so i didn't remember anything about this book either I remembered basically exactly what you did. Nisius, Island, Falcon stuff, question mark. Right. They spent the whole time basically on the island and I didn't remember that. <laughs> right. And it's it was fun because reading it was like reading something for the first time. Agreed. Because I read this like maybe once and then never read again because I came away from it not liking it. <laughs> well, because it wasn't Hawk Song. Right. It wasn't Hawk Song. It's very, it's got a very different vibe. It's hard to generation jump to. That's absolutely true. I think this time that was a benefit because I was so sick of Zane. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) I was kind of done with them. So I was happy to have like a clean start. And it made it more interesting to be like, what are these new characters going to be like? Where I feel like last time I was probably like, uh, why isn't this about Zane and Danica? Who's this Nisius <laughs> kid? Uh. Yeah, yeah, I could see that being like a big problem for people reading the series the first time through. <laughs> I mean, like, why are we doing this? There was so much shit that we didn't fucking resolve. Right? Where it felt like this should be, this should, this is a Falcon book. It should be a book about Ray, but instead it's about Ray's child. What? Yeah. Well, because the last one should have been about Kel. <laughs> right, right. So, 
Yeah, it was it was it was much better. So yay, good job, Falcon Dance, with a lot of asterisks on that. Yeah, a lot of that, a lot of that. <laughs> but it is good to be walking into the podcast today, not being like, I'm so pissed off. I can't wait to be so mad about this fucking book. <laughs> like I said, it's like, ha, ah, what a breath of fresh air. I don't dread this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Right. And it's like, there's a lot of stuff here that I think warrants discussion where with Snape Charm, I was just irritated at stuff because it was just annoying and not good. Whereas this is like, given us a lot to talk about. This is the kind of book that if I was like, hey, kid, I know you haven't read the other two and it doesn't matter. There's a lot we need to talk about when you finish it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like it's a shockingly issues book, but not like... Not like an after-school special issues. I guess. I feel like it's issues book in the context of this ridiculous fantasy world. Yeah. Well, I'm ready to talk about it. All right. Let's go. So, Falcon Dance is obviously about Nicias Silvermead, the child of uh, Ray and Kel, the two Falcon characters that we found out about last book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nicias is 19 years old? Yes. Okay. No, 18. 18. He's 18 because he's going to fuck. Oh, he's, yeah, right. He's of age. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's set in Wyvern's Court where it seems like most of the court question mark is centered. Yeah, we never go to Hawk's Keep or the Palace. Right. W- Wyvern's Court is home base. Yeah. So he is a guard to Eliza. The daughter of Zane and Danica. We get a few scenes sort of sort of establishing the vibe of Wyvern's Court where both cultures live and they intermingle, but they have sort of segregated themselves into like the northern area, which is where all the birds live, and the southern area, which is where all the snakes live. And when they do come together, like there's still like a vibe of tension and Mm -hmm. the avians still find the serpents kind of scandalous and the serpents still don't get along with the birds. And Eliza is getting to the age where she's needing to choose a mate, which is causing a lot of tension because nobody wants her to pick a mate of the (laughs) other race. Yeah. So uh, Nicias talks about how Eliza has had to be like really careful to not show favor to particular people so that she doesn't start shit. And the two of them have like this shared experience of not fitting in and not really being satisfied with their current situation. I be satisfied. <laughs> I want adventure. <laughs> anyway. It's very Little Mermaid. Well, you, you get it with these characters because like they're, they're living in a powder keg, right? And like yeah. whatever Eliza does, something's going to spark. So you get a few scenes of like just sort of setting that mood and establishing like the relationship between Eliza and Nicias. Which I appreciated. Yeah, no, because this is vital to why this book exists, right? Yeah, like setting up a scene where it's like, oh, these characters, I'm not sure I care about them yet, but they are dealing with some shit that does sound pretty fucking rough for a teenager to deal with. Right. And you're establishing, you're taking time to establish like the stakes because, you know, these are going to be the stakes going forward as Wyvern's Court. For like three books. Yes. (laughs) These are the stakes, kids. 
So Eliza and uh, Nicias are very good friends, but Nicias is very, goes very far out of his way in the first few chapters to be like, we're very good friends, but we could never be more because the courts will not accept a falcon as Eliza's suitor. And also there's that whole falcons can't have kids with non-falcons thing. Or someone will come and murder them, or they'll go crazy. We don't know. It's all kinds of problems. Like, they just have a bunch of baggage to a romantic relationship, so that can't happen. That being said, Nicias is 100% in love with Eliza. Oh my god, so in love. Like, I was messaging you about the fact that these first um, pages and chapters fully fucking set up the tropes. Like, if he didn't have to immediately go to the island, this would be another hawk song. Yeah. Except we'd actually have, like, a character who was romancing someone being like, (laughs) we could not. They won't allow it. But I love you anyway. Like, that's where this book could have gone. Right. And it gives you that vibe, which I think is maybe what sort of put me off the first time when I read it, when I was, like, younger, where I was, like, expecting there to be an endgame couple. And this book doesn't really have that. I remember in the forums that, too, people super shipped Eliza and Nicias. Right. And, you know, this book goes super far out of its way to tell you that that can never be a thing. Um, (laughs) Yup. Multiple times. So many times. Like, before you know and after you know, still can't be a thing. Do not care. And I wanted it to just be, like, this thing in his head being like, no, no, I can't. And for, like, that to be a thing he overcame. But that's not the plot. No, and I mean, we'll get there when we're unpacking the ending, but there are a lot of things where it feels like this can't be a thing because I said it can't be a thing because that's not how I want the story to go. Because mm-hmm. this isn't about that. Right. So Nicias talks about how he's been having these spells where he sort of zones out and like is being called, you know, by these visions sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Basically, what we come to find out is that his magic, his falcon magic, is starting to sort of emerge. And Magical puberty. <laughs> yes, magical puberty at 18. <laughs> yeah, his magic is starting to come in. And as we learned last book, the falcon magic is super dangerous because if it's unchecked, you can go crazy and go into this thing called Echol, which they don't explain for a little bit. So he almost dies. Um, having these visions. So he talks to this other falcon lady that he knows and he sort of explains like what's been happening and she tells him, oh, your magic's coming in. You need to come with me to the falcon island so that you can learn how to control your magic so you don't die. Which I have conveniently just been recalled to. Right. Lily is her name, Lillian. So Nicias goes to his parents and he's like, mom and dad, today I become a falcon. (laughs) No, not my son. (laughs) I thought we prevented that. We had falcon hormone blockers. (laughs) They thought that because, you know, their powers were stripped at the end of the last book, they wouldn't have to worry about this. But, you know, falcon, that falcon blood, that royal blood, so magical. Mm, So potent. So Ray and Kel have this excruciating conversation that basically lays out the stakes for the book. It's, have you seen Frozen 2 yet? No. 
Okay, so at the beginning of Frozen 2, like before the credits, the the title comes up, there's this very awkward scene where they retcon a whole bunch of like lore in that didn't exist in the first movie so that they can set up the movie that's going to come. And like, (laughs) it's so awkward because it's so transparently like retcons right just like this is what the movie's gonna be about kids okay that's what ray and kel's conversation is oh god yeah where it's like as you know bob (laughs) it is they do that so many times like well you know kel well you know ray yeah the two of them are just like if i was nisius and i was living with them and my parents were like as you know husband we've been married for 20 years i would just be like mom dad i need you to just stop talking Nisius tries. He's like, hey, don't talk about me like I'm not here. Like, I'm right here. Talk to me. Which and they're just like, shh, I super appreciated. <laughs> and he was like, talk to me, not about me. <laughs> uh, and they don't. No, they don't. I will, however, note that, like, there are plenty of times where I'm like, why is this happening? And then Nisius will be like, say, he'll say something or he'll think something where I'm like, oh, good. I was thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, book, for lampshading the thoughts that the audience is having. Right, we are addressing your concerns. <laughs> so they they kind of fight about it because they don't want him to go back to the Falcon Land because of Ray's mom, who is the sub queen there, yeah. the second in command, the heir to the Empress, who's never gonna die. I have real issue with like, why do you even need a fucking heir if you're two thousand years old? You're clearly like, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's weird that they call her the heir because, like, that's important as the book goes on, who's yeah. going to, like, succeed her. But if you're immortal, then wouldn't she just be, like, the second in command? Like, Right? Like, why not just say that? Like, why pussyfoot around this? Just say, I'm the empress and you're my right hand and that's it. Like, I get being all pissy about, I'll never get to reign. Like, fine. Mm-hmm. But... The heir to the heir of she who flies in darkness. Like, I don't care. <laughs> right. Why don't you just call her, like, the hand or something? Like, yeah. right. She's the fucking sheriff. Back off. Right. And, like, she's not Sharsa's daughter, so they can't no. say yeah. that. It's weird. Yeah, it is weird and kind of useless when you're functionally immortal, but whatever. Exactly. Anyway, because he is the heir to the heir to the heir, they are worried that Araceli, the heir, will <laughs> keep him there. Because she didn't want to let Sebastian go, but he got that gross crow on him. So to sort of steal him against Araceli's, like, charms, they show him the, uh, what, scarification? Yeah. Like, the magic scarification that she carved into their bodies. Just right. Isn't, I know, it's Kel's too, but Kel's is worse. Kel's is worse, but Kel doesn't show it. Only Ray. Ray's like, I'm going to talk to you alone now and show you this. And your mom's is worse. Right. So he says, you know, anytime you start to think like that lady isn't that bad, you think about me and these awful, awful torture scars. I do wish that in that, like, because there was a comment in that scene about my father never practiced, you know, bare chested, didn't wear anything revealing even in the summer. I wish that hadn't been the way. I wish that Ray had been very open and honest about it. Mm-hmm. I feel like that would have been, like, their parents, they made their choices, but also the book is making the choice. Like, they could have been preparing him for this mm-hmm. for his whole life of being like, yep, 
I've got these scars and they suck and this is where they came from, son. Like, there's a lot of not communicating that happened from the generation before that I kind of put on them. Right. And you you get, like, why, right? Because Ray was raised Avian and they're very conservative and don't, yeah. like, share their feelings, like, stiff up her lip and all that. So, like, it tracks. Yeah. But still, this is the first time, like, you've never, like, your dad's never stepped out of the shower with a towel on but while you're trying to, like, get in there. Like, come on. <laughs> Apparently not. So he says, yeah, like, don't let her fool you. Like, she's not, she's not a good person. But, like, good fucking luck. She's got magic. Yeah. I mean, there is that. Um, And it's also, like, pretty important that Nysseus is a good person. Like, he's... He is. He's a good boy. He's a good boy. He's very loyal to Eliza. Like, that's the most important thing in his life. He is pretty, like, moral. He's not super ambitious. Like, he he doesn't want power. Oh, that is so lucky that he is not ambitious. Yeah. Well, because, like, he grew up in that world where he was an outcast. He could very easily have been persuaded into power. Because, like, obviously he did become a wyvern of honor. He wanted to become his friend's guard. He could have had designs on yeah i'd love to be her king i think she's beautiful i think she's awesome fuck yeah let me become mm-hmm. the king or emperor of on then i'll go back and woo her who's gonna fucking challenge me but he's not right and it's a good like it it is a character choice absolutely which helps to differentiate him from the other characters like not that zane or anybody ever came off as particularly ambitious like i would say they're common trait among all of the protagonists is like they are fiercely attached to their duty yeah but there is enough about Nysseus that he feels different from the other two yeah and it's like I think part of it is that Zane and Danica grew up knowing they were going to rule even though neither of them was first in line mm-hmm. Um, like there is such a difference between these monarchs and this unwilling prince Mm -hmm. the previous two books they feel like adults so like danica was the same age as eliza is in this book Mm -hmm. and she felt so much older and same thing with zane where it's like they just they're prepared to do their duty they're prepared to lead their people and nisius is just like he even makes a comment at one point about like i wish i could just Go back to being a kid. I wish I could just, you know, yes. feel my mother's love, things like that. Like, just, he's still a kid. And it feels like much more of a young adult book in that way. I agree. Uh, he feels super young. You can feel, like, his indecision. The way he doesn't know the world. He says some shit. And you're like, oh my god, you fucking kid. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's just, it's nice to differentiate him because, like, as we have previously discussed, oh, so many of these characters sound the same. And that's yeah. a big problem Holy with shit. this author. So, yeah, to have someone who seems even a little bit different is just like, thank god, there's <laughs> a new one. Thank you. I give a shit about your story. Mm-hmm. So we get the stakes, basically, like, Nysseus needs to go to Anmik to learn how to control his power. His parents sent him to have it bound because he doesn't want to use it. He wants to take care of it as quickly as possible and come back and keep being Eliza's guard. Yeah, I mean, he's never had magic. Why would he want it? Right. And he's not, like, as we discussed, he's not ambitious. He's not interested in in more. He just wants to not die. So (laughs) it would be great if I was flying and I didn't crash into the ground. Right. So like, this is great. 
this book has stakes Mm -hmm. that are relevant to this character. Thank God. (laughs) Somebody call the papers. (laughs) This book knows how to book. Stakes I can get behind. Yes. And if you're coming off the last two books, you're like, oh, we finally get to see the Falcons. I've heard so much about them and their white city. What's it going to be like, you know? So, yeah, this book has a lot going for it. Yeah. So Nisius is going to, like, think about it. But then during the night, he almost falls to Echol and Lillian comes to him. She's like, get your pants on. We're going now. (laughs) I love that scene with her being pissy at his parents. Like, Mm -hmm. it made me enjoy her as a character, too, because that was another moment of a character who didn't sound the same as everyone else. Right. She's just like, how the fuck did you leave him alone when he's having these troubles? Like, you're you're all ridiculous. <laughs> right. She's like, you're falcons. You should know. You're yeah. very important falcons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they fly to Anmik. Like, they're, they're essentially greeted in a way that, like, Nisius is immediately given deferential treatment. People know he's royal blood the second he lands. Yes, like, they start calling him sir, they're bowing, they're like, what can we do for you? Like, you are super high up on our totem pole, we do not (laughs) want to offend you, they murder for that. We don't know what you want from us, we're just gonna give you everything, because that's better than fucking it up. Right, exactly. So, Lillian has to go tend to her duties, which is supposedly the reason that she's been called back. I mean, as far as she knows, I think it is, like, she's not been told this. Well... I don't know. I kind of got the vibe that she was there on Araceli's behalf the whole time, but... Mm. I mean, we don't know. Like, we'd have to literally be told. Like, she could have just been sent, or she could have been like, you want to spend some time doing the thing? Okay, go here. It's hard to tell, because again, everybody is a pawn, and that's just how mm-hmm. the Falcons work. Yep. Nisius spends some time sort of wandering around the city, which is a magical city. Like, it takes you where you need to be or some shit. I think he falls asleep the first night. Yeah, no, he he goes to, like, a hotel, there's a clap on, he's really impressed. (laughs) But, like... I lay my head down, the lights go down, I sit up, the lights come back up, what? (laughs) (laughs) He's very impressed, which, like, you're supposed to be impressed, because, like, the the White City is this honey trap, right? Oh, hell yeah, like, imagine you grew up in this fantasy realm, medieval village that is great, it's Wyvern's Court, you've got, you know, mixed culture going on. Uh, And then you end up in the fucking first district of the Hunger Games. Yes. I mean, it is exactly that. Yeah. So he spends some time in the city. I was expecting a lot more detail because we've heard so much about the White City. Yeah. But she sort of just does some broad strokes, but you don't get like specific architecture details. You don't get like a scene painted for you. Like for me, they just sort of existed as these illusory cities, right? It's just these crystals, these giant crystals. Like I have a hard time imagining what the the white spires look like and the arches. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. everything is just like these stalagmites that are growing out of the ground, these crystals. And like, We get one glimpse of the city's other island, like, from a distance of him being like, oh, that island over there is very green. And I'm like, that's where they grow your food. (laughs) We don't need to talk about the janitors. Don't worry about it. The city eats the shit. (laughs) Someday someone will tell me what happened. (laughs) But, like, so I'm, I'm sort of torn about this, honestly, because I feel like 
she you definitely could paint a better word picture but on the other hand if this is supposed to be the falcons and their unknowable magic bullshit like maybe it's better to not give us detail and to just sort of let us project what we think the white city should look like i don't know yeah i've got this real sugar crystal image in my head of like what it looks like and what all of the layers of magic and like if anybody told me differently i'd be like that's nice i can't change it in my head i know what it looks like in me right and i'm sure that our mental images look completely different right because there's just there's not really anything to like fix them in common (laughs) yeah to be like oh no on this page it says they look like blah oh okay like there's just there's one city blocky thing that's like fades from black at the bottom up to purple or something i guess like Mm -hmm. that's it everything else is white 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 crystal clear sugary glass i've got a color palette like that's that's fine um yeah i feel like i could have been drawn in more with more detail and with a more detailed description but for a book that is so short like it just doesn't care it just doesn't spend a lot i would of time have loved another 50 pages to be able to flesh out some of the stuff right as per usual yeah. with this series and this one is 20 pages 20 to 25 pages longer than the last one yep oh i did want to mention though mm-hmm. um the fact that we don't have him running around seeing too much of the city feels in keeping with where the plot goes though in the sense that like they don't actually want him wandering around too much Right. And I think it's really interesting that the city can kind of control itself, right? Because, like, when you need to go somewhere, the city's just like, okay, yeah, you turn this corner and there's the building that you need to be at. There you are. When the city's like, I can't let you do that, Hal. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's a really cool feature. And it kind of adds to, like, this book overall has a very, like, dreamlike feel between, like, Nicias's, um, trips into Echol and his visions and the fucking city itself yeah it all kind of works together in a way that like i'm not mad at it but like very very fantasy it's literally fantasy mm-hmm. so eventually he goes and he meets up with araceli she is extremely nice to him why wouldn't she be of course she, she I'm needs your an grandmother heir. but i don't say that because i look like i'm 20 <laughs> i'm the heir of no wait mm. the opposite of that you're the son of my son? Yeah, I think that's how they put it, isn't it? Like, rah, rah. Yeah. So she's like, hey, I can bind your power, but do you really want that? Like, I could teach you to wield like, it. like, this is irreversible, kid. <laughs> yeah, you... Oh, and she tells him that he won't be able to fly anymore. Like, she'll have to, like, take his... That is the only reason this kid fucking hesitates. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's like, I will be binding your falcon form, and you don't got nothing else. <laughs> Right. And like flying is the thing that he and Eliza really share because they're the only two who can fly as fast as, you know, the other one can. And Yeah, they've really set that up early that it's yeah. like he loves to fly. He loves to go to other places. He loves that he can fly with Eliza like he's mm-hmm. faster than her because she isn't good about pacing herself, which I also <laughs> <Right>. liked. <laughs> it's like, yeah, she's fucking lightning fast, but she wears out quick. Right, which is another nice character choice for her. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, uh, yeah, if I have to give up my wings, like, I can't do that. So she says, okay, I will teach you how to use your power. And when we're done, you can leave and I'm not going to keep you here. Yeah, sure. So, you know, he's <laughs> like, sure. Boy, this sounds extremely reasonable. <laughs> so, you know, there's, there's a chunk of the book that's spent, like, training to control his powers and also spending time with Lillian, who mm-hmm. has mm-hmm. sort of been... She's literally assigned to watch him, but, like, 
Yeah, she, like, helps him around the city. She's been his friend for the past two years in Wyvern's court before she was called back. Like, she's the only person he knows here, and therefore the only person he trusts. Also, she's very pretty. Oh, she's very pretty. She's 29, as we learn later. Mm -hmm. They can fuck, and it's not going to cause any problems. Something I remember that wasn't in here, that I was like, oh, that's odd. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess that was in a draft. Was that he had made, I think, a comment about, like... But what if you get pregnant? And external knowledge. I'm sure it was on the boards, too. But, like, they can control whether or not they get pregnant. Can they? Yeah. It's not mentioned in this book. No, because, like, the last book, they were so, like, oh, we never, you know, we never get pregnant. It's super rare. It is super rare. But if you really don't want to get pregnant, you can control that, too. Which Mm. is why it's weird that people end up... So the, when a falcon is with somebody else, right, that Mm -hmm. woman can't control if she gets pregnant, but falcon women can control it. Obviously, a falcon woman would like to get pregnant, so she's usually not going to stop it, but definitely in a draft, Lillian was like, it's cool. (laughs) Like, you would have totally wanted to carry his child. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Super the whole point. Mm -hmm. So he spends some time, you know, fucking Lillian, training his powers. And as far as we can tell, this is, like, his first girlfriend. Oh, yeah. Like, he's said before that he's not been able to have a relationship with anybody because of the whole Falcon thing. Yeah. He can't even, like, hold hands and smooch. Nope. No hand stuff. No. (laughs) Even though he spent a bunch of time as a kid in the serpent's nest, at one point he had to stop because, I guess, erections. (laughs) I love that. Man, like, nobody's ever heard of a fucking handy, huh? Well, and also, like, people knew how to not get pregnant. Mm-hmm. There were skins you could put on to not get pregnant. You could use, right, like, other methods of sex. Like, it doesn't just have to be penis and vagina, y'all. Right. Like, I get Eliza not being able to do it because she can't even, like, show favor to anybody. <laughs> right. For her, it's like, I give you a kiss and they're like, <laughs> revolt. Right. Um. Although I, I I do love the idea uh, and wish Eliza had been, like, seducing all of the avian ladies. No. And serpiente ladies. But, like, just think, th- whatever. I'll talk about it next time. Okay. Um. So uh, he spent some time doing that, but the whole time he's being called by this lady who's like, hey, come see me. You, I have important information that you need to know. Because he did end up almost near her. Right. Oh, I wanted to mention, you said that he's training with Araceli and hanging out with Lily. That's, like, the kind of scenes that we got there where, like, they're training and using their magic and they're, like, in, like, an area that, that, like, amplifies their power. That's the shit I was pissed off that didn't happen in Snake Charm. Show me your dance. Tell me about this thing. Tell me the emotions. Mm -hmm. Even though you're not literally creating magic, you should still feel something. Like, so I was very pleased with those scenes existing. (laughs) It was good that they existed. For me, they represented a lot of the pacing issues that we've sort of been talking about where he, you know, he'll go to train with Araceli, they'll describe like the pose that they're taking, and then he'll describe how it feels. But the description is like a paragraph, and then he opens his eyes and six hours have passed. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't feel those six hours because you literally just gave me a few lines saying like, oh, I felt you know, like, lashes, and also I sweated a lot. Like, (laughs) 
I can forgive it with the with Falcon Dance because of where it's like, and I open my eyes and six hours have passed, or my god, you've been doing this thing for weeks, like, you tell me at least, even if it didn't feel like it, because the narrator is like, what? That didn't feel like that long at all. <laughs> yeah, I just, I feel like there's a way for you to communicate that thing better in a way that the reader feels it. Yeah, yeah, the reader did not feel it. We felt like Nicias felt. Right, so... They do it the whole book where it's like he does something that lasts for six hours because it has to last for six hours, but we don't want to spend a whole bunch of words on it. So we just move on to the next thing. Because this is a nano novel size. Exactly. It's super fucking short and we got places to go. <laughs> so uh, he's being called by the lady to come see him. So eventually he sort of, you know, he cracks and he goes to see her. She is in a big old tower that is like the place where they hold all of the people who have been lost to Echol. We meet Servos, whose voice is basically Christopher Lee, but <laughs> looks to be 15. And that threw me off. So fuck you, book. I'm imagining Christopher Lee is Servos. As usual, very bold of you to assume that there are any adults in this book. I was so mad about it because like... At the top of the page, it was, a deep voice said, blah, 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 blah. And then I turned, and there was a face that looked a few years younger than me. Well, you're 18, so he looks 15, but he's a fucking baritone, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) And he's ancient. I love that. So, like, as soon as they started describing Nicias and his long, like, silver hair or whatever, everybody just immediately turned into anime people for me. Oh, hell yeah. They're all... Just extremely pretty Bishu boys. <laughs> but yes, yeah, they're all Bishonen, Bishojo. There's nobody over the age of 25. And yeah. how dare you suggest that? Nicola looks to be 25, and that's inappropriate because she's very old. <laughs> right. Ugh, Nato- Nicola has wrinkles. <laughs> <laughs> There's a single silver hair. <laughs> There's a line on her face. Ugh, disgusting. <laughs> she has smile lines. When did she smile? <laughs> we know where the frown lines came from. Mm. Yeah, I hate how everyone is so young. It really pisses me off a lot in these books because it's a fantasy setting. Like, I get it with vampires. This is the age you returned. Blah, blah, blah. Like, I still <laughs> wish that, that there were vampires changed when they were like 30, 40, 50, 60, 70. But with these, I'm like, you're 2,000 years old. Can't they look to be 50? That would be nice. Like, how do you know when they die? (laughs) What do you mean, how do you know when they die? Well, so, like, the avians and the serpiente were described as, like, oh, some of them can live for 200 years, you know, when they were not at war. Like, but they all just stay the same 20 to 25-year-old look. Like, grandpa's (laughs) dying and you go in and it's like a 20-year-old. No, eventually they just all keel over, man. I guess. You're like, oh shit, I didn't think he was that old. Obviously, Fred, look at him. (laughs) Look at those crow's feet. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Anyway, it pisses me off and I hate that. I know it does, and it should. These books are very ageist. But, like, this is what happens when you write shit when you're 13. Nobody's old, and olds are gross. Like, the author's, like, 19 when they wrote this one. Yeah, 17, 18, so this is 19. I mean, obviously by now they should know better, but like, do they? No. No. Anyway. Uh, he goes to the tower where all of the crazies live. And Which is he... problematic. Well, of course it's problematic. 
anytime somebody goes magically crazy in this, these books. We're starting to get to the problems. We're, yeah. And he meets Servos, and then he meets Darian, who is the partner of his mother, but not in like a sexy way, even though it should be in a sexy way. Because they even say, Kel left behind a sister and a lover. That lover was probably Darian, in my opinion. <laughs> it should have been. Who the hell else are you hanging out with? Honestly, like, they have such a fucking gay vibe, but the book goes out of its way to be like, no homo. Because no both homo. Of them have Zero homer. Homer? Homo. This is just my sister. We love each other like sisters. Gals being pals. <laughs> so they're friends? Best friends. Real good friends. <laughs> I only kept three things, and they're all from my friend. I know, right? Ugh. Anyway, Darian tells him that Araceli is a liar. I feel like they meet, like, twice before she actually spills the important beans, but... Well, yeah, because the first time he, he goes there, he doesn't get that far because Sifka or Araceli... Araceli sent Lily to pay a visit to her... I'm going to use the word crazy because that's the way this is, but mm -hmm. know that uh, I don't approve of it. Um, to meet her crazy brother who's in this fucking tower. And he gets to her before he gets to Darian. And then he's like, what? I guess I'm going to hang out with Lily. Why did I even want to go talk to Darian? And then like he runs into Hi while he was there. So it's he definitely tries a couple times to get to Darian and only yes. gets to Darian when Lily is occupado. Right. So eventually, Darian tells him that they're working persuasion magic on him to make him feel like he owes Araceli something and that he shouldn't leave. And I'm not super clear on how it plays out, because I think she tries to tell him that they're playing him and he doesn't want to believe it. So he just like keeps going on with his life. Um, yeah. He's like, well, how do I know you're not doing it? And she's like, the fact that you can ask me that says that I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> right but eventually he sees the signs of the persuasion magic being worked on him it was a good scene yeah no they do a pretty good job of seeding that in because oh yeah he talks a lot about the color of lily's eyes which at first when just her seems... eyes look this way i just love her right it just <laughs> seems super obnoxious at first but then you find out that no their eyes change color when they're casting magic so it's actually kind of important as i read this book i remembered more about that and it was like oh this is very obvious on second read and it's very well seated yeah it's it's a good job like once you hear about it then you you remember like oh yeah he does talk about her fucking eyes a lot okay mm -hmm. and where he's like what are these little marks and she's like teehee love bites <laughs> And I'm just like, good, good, very good. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite scenes is when Darian tells him, ask one of the pure diamond, because like pure diamond can't lie to the royal house. Mm -hmm. He asks, would you be able to tell if I saw if there was persuasion magic used on my body? And Lily flips shit and is like, you don't trust me. Blah, blah, blah. And he is so automatically good at playing this fucking game where he's like, mm -hmm. no, Lily. I just went and talked to Darian and you're concerned that she might have been manipulating me. They would be able to tell me that. And like Lily continues to flip shit. I was like, this is very fun. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like they, yeah, they have this whole confrontation and Lily eventually is just like, well, I guess you don't trust me anymore. And I'm mad at you for that because I was falling in love with you. So she stomps away in a very ominous way, like, because he's very concerned about like the 
power that his word has in this city and like what might happen to people who he showed displease him which was another nice touch to this character where he's like Mm -hmm. oh fuck (laughs) right he very quickly realizes like he could get people in a lot of trouble and in on me trouble means torture or death yeah so he's like hey are you gonna be okay like are you gonna get in trouble because i rejected you and she's like not any of your concern anymore, bud. And then she, like, walks away. It's so good. I love it. Right? And I'm like, well, Lily, I don't know what you expected. I know, right? Like, you knew where this was probably going to go, but she was like, no, no, I can do it. <laughs> right? I'm like, I don't think you can really be mad at him because you were manipulating him. Yeah. And violating his consent. So. Mm-hmm. Why won't you let me keep gaslighting you? <laughs> right? So. I think that's when he goes to Darian because Darian tells him like, oh, yeah, Lily's being tortured right now. Like we can all feel (laughs) it because the mercy, the guards of each of the important falcons, they're all like psychically tied together. So I think this is the point that Darian tells him like, hey, I found out some stuff about the Empress and you need to know. And she tells him that. (laughs) Here we go. Yep, here we go. Strap in, everybody. Darian tells him that back in the olden times, the snakes had magic and the falcons wanted to keep them from getting too powerful because Darian doesn't have the full story. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. which I appreciated too, even though I was like, why did we reveal all this whatever? Yeah, right. She, She has a part of it. Um, And her part, the Falcons wanted to keep the serpents from getting too powerful. So they took a girl, and presumably girl's kingdom, and they gave her some magic and turned her into a hawk. And yeah. then they had the hawk queen meet the snake queen, as we've heard through Hawk Song and Snake Charm. And they psychically compelled one of the snakes to stab one of the hawks, or vice versa. I'm honestly not sure. Darian said, and again, this is all like, well, we don't know. But it was a serpent who who killed Alistair. Okay. Because then the hawks killed all of the original, like, eight members of the serpent priests and priestesses. Because... When I first read this, I hadn't quite picked up on, like, why did this fucking happen? But it gives any importance to the scene in the woods in Snake Charm when those serpents and avians attack Zane and Danica. Mm-hmm. Because, like, we see, oh, Sifka can force people to do things, like, take away their inhibitions kind of thing, and maybe right. they wouldn't have done it on their own. So, like, clearly some serpent was thinking, I don't like these birds. They're different. It would be great if she was dead. And then, and then, like, they were like, you're gonna be our assassin. Yeah. So, like, it was good that we'd set up already that, like, people can be manipulated to do things that they would ever think about, but probably not do otherwise. Right. And this, this book is good for giving us, as you said, any sort of meaning for the shit that happened in Snake Charm. <laughs> yeah. As unnecessary as it was or was not, um, you know, we're yeah. finally finding out why it was there. Darian, when she found this out, was devastated, and I don't know why, but we'll come back to that. Was this when we learned about Andre? No. No, we don't find out about that until they get back to Wyvern's court. Okay. 
Because I, I remember her talking about, like, watching over him like a guardian angel. Yeah, she from, from the Falcon's Island after he left. Yeah. And was like, I can take it out and save him. And the Empress was like, nah, it's all good. Right. So I, I guess she has a lot of reasons to disobey the Empress. God, could you fucking imagine Naga Darien? That would have been great. <laughs> awesome. I would have loved that <laughs> Darien's shit. Darien's great. So yeah, she's like, the Falcons are the reason that your beloved serpents and hawks have been fighting for thousands of years. Like, the the Falcons started it. On fucking purpose, because they're racist. Right, because they did not want the Serpiente to be powerful, because the Serpiente were a threat. You throw me out, I'm gonna make sure that you're never powerful. Yep, I think she sort of tells him at this point that their reuniting sort of risks them becoming powerful again, and that it's yeah. something that Araceli is not going to tolerate. She doesn't really say And we don't why. know why, because Darian doesn't know why. Right, but she says that like they don't want their two kinds getting along, and that if Wyvern Court doesn't implode on itself, Araceli will make sure that it does. And you'll never know it was them. Yep, because they're all about subtlety, bro. Um, you know, obviously Nysius being invested in the Serpiente and the avians is horrified. And so, you know, this is like the incentive that he needs to like leave. <laughs> the Darian's like, you know all this and you're going to fucking leave? And he's like, yep, got to go. Yeah, I mean, that is really great, right? Because Darian is expecting him, because Darian's had these visions that tell her that he's going to bring down an empire. Oh, I hate prophecies so much. Um, which is something that, like, we're we're told a lot is that the the Falcons have the super hacks magic. They can do basically anything the plot requires. Yep. Oh my God. Yeah, you were commenting to me that like the Falcons have whatever is necessary to do whatever is necessary to continue the plot, and I laughed at the time, but then I was like, No, you're so right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this mm-hmm. shit comes out of nowhere. I know a spell. I'll do this thing, and I'm like. This is ridiculous. It's not like I've got a fucking dungeon manual that I can look and be like, (laughs) actually, but we're back to the whole, these are just RPG manuals. Right. Like, I'm absolutely going to rules layer you on this. You can only use that spell once a day. Um, (laughs) It ends at sundown. It disperses all magic. Mm -hmm. No, I, I love that because... Like, around this time, Darian says, okay, I'm going to use a spell, and this spell is going to mask us from the pure diamonds and, you know, any of the falcons who are looking for us. And once we get to Wyvern's court, we're just going to look like avians until literally we don't need to. Like, she literally says, like, yeah, this is going to do everything we need it to do. I love it. Now I'm going to use this magic to make sure that we are fooling all of their senses. Now I'm going to use your magic, which is hilarious. Like, I can just use your magic. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I will tell the pure diamonds, do not see us. And because your magic is royal blood magic, they won't. I'm like, this is great. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, I can do this because I say I can and because we need to. And I'm like, all right, cool. Let's go. (laughs) Yep. She's super fucking OP. <laughs> they are. They break. They break everything. And the worst part is that, like, they don't have a goddamn spell book, so they can just make up whatever they want to do. And this magic makes me uh, not need to go to the bathroom ever. Disappears. <laughs> this is why we don't need toilets. <laughs> I solved it, Sina. I solved it. <laughs> you did it. It's Falcon magic, and then you they know poop what? Poop in a quarter and magic it away, like we're at fucking Hogwarts. That's literally all you need to say. 
You have a question? Falcon Magic. Oh, okay. Falcon Magic did it. <laughs> um, but no, yeah. So Darian has this vision or prophecy or whatever that Nisius is going to bring down an empire. So she thinks when she tells him this, that he's going to be motivated to like try to rule, to yeah. take the She's fight. She's like, but you have access to power and others don't. Why wouldn't you use this for the benefit of the less fortunate? I'm not understanding. And uh, Nisius is like, yeah, I'd fuck this place. Yep. <laughs> Yep. I care about Wyvern's court. Uh, I'm gonna go. And Darian's like, I, I just, but okay. I just spent three fucking weeks trying to. Oh my god. <laughs> She's like, whatever. Uh, I told you I wasn't gonna force you. <laughs> Darian is a good DM. Darian's rolling with the punches. She's like, I set up this whole thing where you could become <laughs> prince, but oh, okay. I guess we're going back to Wyvern's court. Sure. When we started the plot, I told you I didn't want to be a prince. <laughs> But look at all those. There's so many good plot hooks. So like, much power, I don't care. Nicias's player. So much power. Yeah, want to go back and pine after my princess that I can never have. That's the plot that I'm here for. He's <laughs> like, ugh, fine. What if I give you a different princess you can pine after? Can we do that? <laughs> I listen. I have plots for Eliza that you're not involved in. So how about I give you this other OC? <laughs> She's a little weirder. Is that okay? This is like her pet OC that like she really likes to role play as. Oh, definitely. This is the total GM PC. <laughs> <laughs> to a infuriating degree. <laughs> so um, Darian says, okay, well, I will help you get back to Wyvern's Court. We'll make everybody think that you fell to Echol and nobody will come looking for you. Which I thought was pretty great. Yeah, right. Like, she she has her bases covered until they're not. Yeah, she's like, Servos isn't going to betray us. It's all good. So she says, uh, but you have to take High with you. And he's like, she's a cobra. I'm down with this. Yeah, no, we're good. I'll, I'll take her. So uh, Darian weaves her plot magic and the three of them leave. Uh, this is another thing where Nisius is like, we fly for six days. And I was like, oh, do you? I don't know how we made it, but we did. <laughs> I don't know how. Don't ask questions. And he continues to talk about, like, taking them far longer than it should have. Without sleeping, eating, speaking, or touching land, we flew for nearly six days. Right, because they fly in demi-form. And he even says, you're not supposed to be able to do this in demi-form. Yeah, and, and we know from the first trip out there that there's, like, a small island that gets buried under the tide halfway through and that it takes from uh when Nisius and lily leave at dawn mm -hmm. they arrive the next dawn flying as falcons as peregrine falcons so it takes them one day and then it takes them six days because right. they're in demi form and they're carrying high who is um, so Echol is like they're, the person is frozen, lost in thought kind of thing. So she's like absolutely unresponsive. Right. They're they're carrying dead weight for six yeah. days. Yep. I, I think it's worth mentioning here, since we're talking a little bit about Echol, mm -hmm. that in addition to like the dreamlike vibe of this, I did super enjoy the sort of visual aspect of Nisius's trips into Echol. Because we get a lot of, like, visual descriptions. Like, he talks about, like, oh, it's it's stark black. I'm standing on black ice. There's a white yeah. moon. Spiderweb of cracks across it. Right. And he, the way it's described, like, you can super picture it and it's very pretty. 
Yeah. Um. Did you see Stranger Things? I've seen the first season. Okay, so in the first season when Eleven is, like, in that mental world and then she's just, like, kind of walking. It's like a black room but a little bit of water as she goes Mm -hmm. across. Like, it feels very much like that even before I saw Stranger Things obviously came much later. Right. This book definitely describes anything ever. (laughs) And I can see things. (laughs) Like, maybe not everything. Like we said, the the city leaves a lot to your imagination, but it's kind of like, it's cool if you've got imagination, go for it. Mm -hmm. Where Snake Charm, I'm like, what does it look like? Right, because Hawksong and Snake Charm are so much more grounded in, like, the theoretical real world of 700 BC, where the Falcons are just like, we decorate with our fucking imagination, you know? <laughs> imagination. <laughs> it can yeah. look like whatever we want. And, and I really feel like that is where this author excels. Yeah, no, I agree. And these dream-ish sequences with Darian, with High, like, So Raven mentioned that a lot of the fans of this series would like to see this animated. Mm. And reading Falcon Dance, like, I can definitely see where this would be, like, a really beautiful, like, animated sequence. Yeah, I would not want to see this live action. I would definitely want to see it animated. I think Mm -hmm. that there's so much more you can do with animation, especially with, like, the flying and things like that. Like, just just go for it. Just animate it. It could be gorgeous. Mm Mm-hmm. These could be some really beautiful sequences, and it's there on the page, so kudos for that. Yep, definitely. I felt like I could see this thing that is actually, like, very hard to describe. There were definitely moments where I'm like, oh, I'm trying to wrap my head around this. Oh, okay, all right, I'm there now, I'm there. Yeah, they're they're good sequences, and I think they're, like, a good part in this book, because as we've discussed, there's a lot of vagaries. Yeah. Uh, So anyway, they fly back to Wyvern's court. They're greeted by Eliza and Kel. Eliza recognizes Nisius. Kel doesn't because Darian's magic is just so good. Kel recognizes Darian, but not Nisius. Right, which Darian finds hilarious. And Nisius also is like, wow, that's weird. You're my mom. <laughs> right? It's super weird how you have a stronger bond with this other lady than you do with that your you're son. you're definitely not gay with. But sisters, anyway. Oh god, Eliza meeting High, where she's just like, okay, I guess that's my cousin. <laughs> oh right, yeah, because this is where we find out that High is the daughter of Angie Cobriana, which makes her Eliza's cousin and... Older cousin. Higher in line for the throne than Eliza. Yeah, which like, on first read, it's like, we knew that Angie went to Anmik so obviously, like... I don't know why this is a surprise to you. You should have been like, holy shit, oh my god, NJ was the only one that went. I love Nisius's reaction, though, because he's like, holy shit, I just brought a threat to the crown to my home. I <laughs> right, he's up. like, what did I just fucking do? <laughs> yeah, because uh. I don't understand what Nisius thinks, because he's like, oh yeah, I know she's a cobra. And I'm like, but I thought royals were the only cobras. Right? It's like... Come on, kid. Put it together. (laughs) Right. So Darian is just there long enough to drop off high and then get back to the Falcon place. And she's like, let me know if my daughter ever wakes up. I'm going to go keep an eye on the Falcon place. And Darian is so fucking audacious. She's like, she's flipping. It's great. I'm going to go be Sharsa's right hand again. Yeah. I found I found the line. So Nysia says to Darian, what is it you plan to do on 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 Meek? She raised a brow. Commit treason, naturally, with no less than the Empress's blessing. She smiled <laughs> wickedly. Right. Because at this point, 
Darian has sort of put together some stuff about Araceli and, and what's kind of going on. Like, not all of it, but she, like, enough to be like, yeah, I'm gonna go get back in the fray. Yeah. And on second read, the big final reveal was so obvious where I'm like, oh, I'm remembering now. And it makes sense why we had that person show up unnecessarily in Snake Charm, but I still call foul. <laughs> <laughs> foul. Uh, yeah, no, I have a real, I have a feel about that, but we'll get there. Um, Darian drops off high. She's like, later, dude, I'll let you know if uh, Araceli is, you know, going to come and kill you. <laughs> so Nisus is like, great, thank God, it's over, I'm home. He walks the streets as just like a regular Avian dude because of Darian's hacks magic. I thought this was interesting. It is interesting. And I'm I'm not entirely sure what the purpose is. Yeah. But he yeah, he walks the, the streets as an Avian dude. For the first time, nobody's like staring at his super pretty white hair that everybody hates. And he feels like he's a part of people rather than, you know, uh, an outsider. Yeah. And he's recognized by other falcons who have taken refuge in Wyvern's court. And they bring him back to their, like, gathering place. In the candle shop. Yeah. And they immediately suspicious. And then eventually somebody recognizes that he has, like, mercy magic or something on him. They're like, only a mind walker ends up with those bands on them. After a fight in someone's mind. And it's just like, I don't know how you know that shit, but right. whatever, I guess. I don't even get, like, why they find it threatening. But they find it threatening because they find they it think... threatening because they're like, only the mercy end up as mind walkers or mind walkers end up as mercy or whatever. That's fair. They think he's, like, Araceli or Sarsa's mercy or something. Come to steal them away. Yeah. Which is ridiculous, though, because obviously, if he had been, then Darien, who had been the mercy, had right. sent him there. Right. Like... You don't think the Mercy can run away? I anyway. Right? Like Darian, the person that you super love. Right. And he's like, no, no, no. It's I'm not the Mercy. I'm Nisius. And they're like, that's worse. <laughs> you made it worse, child. Get the fuck out. Right? You're going to tattle on us to the princess. Get out. Um, and they do the fucking funniest thing in the book, which is one of the ladies literally follows him home being like mm. get out of here get out of here get out of here kid you bother me go right? go she, she shoots him all the way home with the fucking broom or something yeah or she's like you're lucky none of the other ones recognized who your goddamn father was and therefore your grandmother and you're definitely not gonna fucking recognize us and you're never coming back and we're not having lunch <laughs> it's so ridiculous <laughs> But yeah, she's like, don't talk to us again. You're just going to put us at risk because Araceli is like definitely hunting you uh, and she'll come for the rest of us. And I guess it's basically to make Nisius feel bad for abandoning, like that he could have made things better at the court. Yeah, like I could have made a difference. Oh, fuck. It's like, well, maybe you'd fucking thought about that when Darian offered it to you. Right. But, like, he could have then become friends. I don't know if he- I don't remember if he does. But, like, he could have become friends with those people after being like, no, no, she's not. I've got permission to be off the island. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just more, you'll never have friends. Right. It feels like it's pushing towards this end thing where Nisius goes back to try to make the Falcon City better. But he doesn't do that. Yeah, we get, like, another scene or two later. Well, actually, maybe just the next scene later. Someone being like, nah, there's no you taking the throne. That only ends in things you don't want. Right. 
So I don't really know why he's meant to feel bad about leaving if you're not going to follow that up, but whatever. So he goes back to his house. High is there. He decides that if he can't save the entire Falcon City, then he's going to save High. So he tries to save her from Echol. He dips into her dreams. We have another like nice, colorful sequence. And High tells him that she has been dancing countless futures. Every step she takes, every move she makes. <laughs> She's been watching you. <laughs> she says, uh, your wyvern's court is doomed, no matter what Eliza chooses. I love that all of the Falcons always say that, even the ones in the candle shop. <laughs> right. Everybody knows. They're like, oh no, this is a fucking dumpster fire. I don't know why anyone's here. We're just here until it goes up in flames. We'll find somewhere else. Right. We're here with popcorn, just kind of seeing what goes down. And Eliza, when he comes back, tells him, like, yeah, there have been a bunch of fights, like, people are starting to get tense, and he hears out in the, like, when he's walking around as an avian dude, that, like, the hawks are gonna be, like, really upset if Eliza chooses a snake mate, and the same, you know, vice versa. Setting up for book four. Yeah, so you, like, get the feeling that, like, Wyvern's Court is in a lot of trouble. Nisius has been gone for a week, and shit has gone no, down. he's been gone for, like, a month, month and a half. A month? Um, yeah, because he was in Echo for three weeks. Oh, shit. Yeah, he was. I forgot. See? See? This is what I'm saying. He was in Echo for a fucking paragraph. I know. Okay. No, you're right. It's just, just gone downhill, you know? Nisius leaves for two minutes and the kids burn the <laughs> house down. <laughs> this fucking youngest wyvern of the fucking thing. Gretchen is the name, by the way, of the uh, leader of the wyverns. Uh-huh. But yeah, like, Gretchen can't hold down the fort without Nisius here, I guess, even though he's, like, a baby. Right, even though Nisius really isn't contributing that much. Like his father before him, he's bad at his job. He is! There is, in the beginning, he spaces out because he's having, like, one of his falcon spells. And, like, he acknowledges that, like, yeah, literally anything could have happened just now. Uh, I was not paying attention. It's like, Nisius! Oh, yeah, twice. But, like, at least he says, wow, this is a problem. And when it's, like... I should probably figure out if my magic is going to be a problem. Right. They're like, you should probably step down from your duties for a while. Rather than what his dad would have done when he was a kid. <laughs> what his dad did when he was a kid. Yeah. I love that. I messaged you and I was like, mm, looks like being bad at your job runs in the family. Except for Kel, who's real good, but whatever. <laughs> oh, That's why he can mind walk, because Kel was a really good mind walker. Right, and and then we get more justification for why Kel had to be a super special falcon, because, like, Nisius is so powerful. So he goes to High, and he says, hey, come back with me. And she's like, no, your world is stupid. Your, your stupid <laughs> court's going to crumble anyway. Uh, you know, she's danced a thousand futures. And almost all of them, the court falls, and she shows him some visions of, like, Eliza dying and Salem, Salem dying. dying. Basically, the court always crumbles, and she tells him that, like you said earlier, that there's no future where he Zero. is on the throne in Anmik, that Eliza is also on the throne in Wyvern's court. Yeah, this is not friggin' Doctor Strange being like, there's one. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, no, none, zero. In all of the infinite fucking possibilities, not one. You cannot rule. And essentially, the important thing is that she's like, no matter what you do, Araceli is going to come looking for you, and that's going to put Wyvern's court in danger. 
Yeah. Like, I thought that was really interesting to be like, well, first, at some point she's going to be like, I could save him still. And when she realizes you're not there, she's going to be pissed. And then she's just going to do anything to get you. And that includes burning your fucking home. Right. And like, while she's here, she might kill Eliza because she doesn't want, you know, Wyvern's court to succeed. So <laughs> I'll just take care of this while I'm here. I know, right. She's like, uh, yeah, you know, on the way to pick up Nysseus, I'll uh, pick up some Wendy's, murder a monarch, you know. And Gild is a frame for it. <laughs> she might choose the wolves this time. So um, she says, you know, no matter what you do, Wyvern's court is going to burn um, unless you confront Araceli. So his mother brings him back and he wakes up and he's like, ah, oh, fuck, I got to go back to the Falcons. <laughs> They're there in Wyvern's court for a chapter and a half. Yes, yes. These are the last four chapters of the book and they're all set in a different location. <laughs> he goes back to Anmeek. He is met by the Mercy. You know, he, he's like, take me to see Araceli. <laughs> They're like, nah, boy. <laughs> That's, dude, that was the wildest transition. So he's like, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, come with us. And they start going upstairs. And then, like, he just walks into a wall of pain. And then the book transitions to, like, even calling it a transition is being generous. It's just, like, he's all of a sudden being tortured. Slammed. And I was like, yeah. what happened? Who's doing yeah, this? Yeah, it was like, we're going up these stairs. And I turn a corner. And... And I got jumped. Yeah. Like, you figure out that the Mercy is torturing him, I guess, on Araceli's behalf? I I don't know why they tortured him. Because, like, there was this thing where they were like, oh, clearly they're mad at me. And he's like, I'm sorry about what happened to Lily. And they're like, this isn't about Lily. Right. (laughs) I was like, who told you to fucking torture this kid? Right. I still don't know. I I don't understand it. Like I read the last four chapters like twice, and I trying to figure it out. Yeah, I just don't understand why they do this because they explicitly say that like he won't be harmed. And Araceli, like when he comes to Lily and Darian, have rescued him, and they say yeah. That so it's like, are the Mercy just like gone off? Right, and they say that Araceli's away. So like, who was doing that? Why were they doing that? Were they being moved as pieces because of soon-to-be-revealed plot? Right? Was that Sivka? Was that Araceli? Was that the Mercy? I genuinely don't know. Whose agency caused Denisius to be tortured? Right. We both don't know, which means that wasn't clear. <laughs> right. Was not communicated. And really, the only the whole point is that Nisius is being tortured, so he, he surrenders himself, himself to Echol to get away from it. Yeah, which is like, that's fair. <laughs> right. And high is there like, excuse me, sir? You fucking hypocrite. <laughs> the first time that you're tested. <laughs> I love that. I was like, drag him. She was just like, get the fuck back out there, you little asshole. Right? She's like, you keep invading my dreams, yelling at me about how I should come live in the real world, but you're in how it for great two the minutes. fucking real world is. <laughs> So she's like, you need to get back out there. And because Hi is seeing the future, she's like, you're necessary. You need to go. You got shit to do, boy. And so he's like, okay, but only if you promise to come with me. And Hi says, okay, I promise. She says, I'll try. Which is huge. Yes. Because he's royal blood. So she's made a promise to the royal falcons, blah, blah, blah. So he, he tells Darian, he's like, yeah, hi, I spoke to hi. She's going to try to wake up. And Darian's like, oh, she made a she promise to royal words? blood. 
I feel like it should be, I have made any promises. All of these vows are important. Right? Like, why can't it just mean something that she's going to try? Why does it have to be, like, royal blood is going to make it happen? royal blood. Like, no, because vows are important. I was like, you can just make vows to people that you care about. It doesn't have to be because they're royalty. Thank you. Right? You can just... Fucking classism. The fucking elitism of these books. The, the plot has been set in motion. High is going to try to wake up. You don't need to reassure me that that's definitely going to happen because magic. (laughs) Because royal blood will compel her. Like, why don't you just give me literally one chapter to see for myself? Anyway, uh, Nisius wakes up and they're like, hey, uh, we both work for Sharsa now. (laughs) The biggest fucking turnaround. I'm like, I hate that a lot. (laughs) It's been been like two days, literally. Yeah. It cannot have yeah. been longer. Right, because he got there and went to sleep and woke up the next day as an avian still, wandered around the market, and then, like, we know it takes him one day to fly back. Mm-hmm. So, like, two days max. Which means she's been there for one day max. Right. Like, I guess if there was some wibbly-wobbly time he spent in Eccle talking to High, but, like, even then. But there wasn't. Because when he arrived there, they were saying, yeah, no, she's fucking with with the fucking Empress's mercy again. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So Darian and Lillian. Because she was rejected by Araceli, who was like, you lost my grandson. Yeah, and, and Lillian before that had been like, there was a point made to say that Lillian was devoted to Araceli over Sharsa, even though that's treason. Yeah. But now Araceli tortures her once and she's on Sharsa's side. Excuse me? Like, that is, uh, your loyalty sucks. Right? Like, that's a lie. I thought Falcon's vows meant more, lady. <laughs> I thought vows were vows that could get you out of Echo. Thanks. <laughs> so, there's a weird thing where he's like, yeah, why did you save me? And Lillian's like, oh, nostalgia. And I'm like, it's been literally a week since you stopped fucking. Uh, three weeks since he was in Echo, but still, like, for people who live forever, that's nothing. No, nostalgia? What? You weren't lovers 10 years ago. Right? Which would have been super cool. Not obviously when he was nine, but I mean like 10 years have passed. And she's like, well. I feel like this is meant to have a longer timeline, but it doesn't. So then you just say stupid shit like that. Anyway, they take him to see Sharsa. And we haven't seen Sharsa the entire book. Like she's been very. No, like there have been so many times where it's like, I'm going to see her. Nope. She's been very (laughs) shrouded in mystery. And then she's just fucking tired. Yeah, and she's like a fucking fae queen, basically. Yeah, and like, part of me is like, mm, I appreciate this trope, and the other part of me is like, couldn't she have been, not a badass, because I do not want any of them to be a badass, mm-hmm. but like, couldn't she have been an active queen? Why did Why did this have to be? I kind of enjoy this, like, I do like that trope of like this distant monarch. Yeah, the idea, there was a lot of cool stuff in his scene with her, like, he he talks about how she has to fake emotion. Which which that's fine. But the I think for me what made me irritated with it was where she was like, I'm tired of this realm. And I'm like, then fucking pass it on to your heir. Yeah. This will solve the thing. <laughs> that is why you have an heir. You don't have to be the freaking queen of England being like, no, I'm turning 95. I'm still going to fucking hold on. Thanks. <laughs> Fuck you, Charles. <laughs> Right? Like, that's the thing that I don't get is it's like, if you're so tired of this realm, pass it to Araceli. If you don't trust Araceli, pass it to Sifka. If you don't trust Sifka, like, pass it to Soros. I don't know, I don't care, but like, if you don't trust (laughs) your heir, if you're like, you're too power hungry, like, find a different 
heir. You're the fucking empress. You can make the laws. Yeah, I agree with that part. Like, when she said that, I was like, okay, then then die. What's the problem? <laughs> there's, I don't... there's an option here. Yeah. Fall to Echo. It's fine. Right. But I did enjoy the idea of her being like this, like a, a statue almost. Like this queen who... It's very Akasha from uh, Queen of the Damned. Yes, very. Like this queen who doesn't interact with her subjects. Like, she's so removed from humanity that she literally has to pretend to feel emotions. Yeah, I liked the faking emotions. She smiled, but it wasn't really a smile. Right. <laughs> it's good. I like that. Yeah. But she tells him the true story. The whole story. Unlike your father and mother. Or I guess, unlike your mother. Right. Ah, uh, there's no point in burning it away from you. We should just tell you the whole thing. <laughs> right. Charles is like, I'm tired of trying to cover this up. Fuck it. Nothing's going to happen to me anyway. I'm rich and Darren powerful. didn't know the whole story, so I guess I'll just tell it to all y'all. Let's go. Who cares? So, and I need to, I'm going to get through this with no commentary. Just what the book tells us. The Falcons specifically tell us that back in the olden days when they were still part of the same coven with the snakes, that the magic was in balance because some of them worshipped on Meek and some of them worshipped on Meek Squared. And on Hamarak. On Hamarak. Yes. On Meek, but with more letters. So and and they were in balance. But then the snakes kicked the Falcons out of their club. This is a problem because that when the magic is out of balance, it runs rampant. And with Anmik, the one that the Falcons worship, it's not a problem. You just you just go to sleep. Yeah, the worst thing that Anmik can do is bring you like sleep and stillness, and that's not gonna hurt anybody but you. Anhamarak is, yes, the deity of beauty and freedom, but she's also the deity of destruction. And if left unchecked, Anhamarak's magic will bring endless destruction. So, the Falcons decided that the snakes needed to be kept in check because otherwise they would destroy the world. So they took a girl and presumably her kingdom and they took half of the snake's magic and they gave it to the birds so that the snakes would not have all of the magic that they needed to do the world's explodey thing. And Armageddon. Yes. They created the culture to be completely opposite to the serpent. According to Sharsa, they can never get along, and this is by design. Yeah, no, there's no way any two cultures ever live side by side and keep their own cultures, that's for sure. Nope, they can't be blended, <laughs> they can't live side by side, they are just too different. And this was important, because if they ever did reunite that magic, then that person would not necessarily be a problem, but as that person had descendants, they would grow in power and they will destroy the world. This so, is an important thing to note, though, that the next one will be a problem, but the next and the next will be worse and worse because of mm -hmm. what we see in the next book. So note that, children. Note that. <laughs> yeah, put a, put a big pin in that. So she tells him this and he has to kind of process it because earlier he had a chance to tell Eliza about what he found out about the snakes and the birds mm -hmm. and he didn't, he didn't because he was like it's going to cause too much problems there's tension already I'm gonna keep it to myself <laughs> which I was like 
I can understand keeping it to yourself right now, but I really hoped that in the future he would maybe decide not to. But whatever, he didn't have that chance. Right. Nope. So she tells him this, and then Sifka and Araceli burst in, and Araceli's like, What the fuck are you doing with my kid? <laughs> Turning him against me? Right, and I love Sharsa's response. She's like, uh, he was never on your side to begin <laughs> with, so I can't really turn him against you. Just saying, sis. So they start fighting, and Darian tells Nisius to check Araceli out and see if he sees anything weird about her. Nisius realizes that Araceli has persuasion magic that's been being worked on her for like a decade, maybe yeah. more decades. No, plural. presumably a lot longer because like Ray has been gone for at least True. 30 years at this point. Like he was 12, you know? True. You are correct. The decades, decades. that this magic has been worked on her. Um, and it's the same thing where, like, it's enhancing impulses that she probably already has, but she's not completely in her right mind. Yeah, there's, like, a comment about she's ambitious, but she's not usually like this. Right, because she starts coming at Sharsa, yeah. and Darian's like, they're going to kill each other. Like, this is not going to work out for Araceli. <laughs> she's not stupid enough she's to do this. Suicidal. So Nisius shares this with Sharsa and Darian and Lily, and Araceli realizes it as well. And the two of them turn on Sivka, and I don't think they murder her. No, they they magic. They they do some magic to her so she passes out, and then they like put a net over her. Yep, magical <laughs> net. An amazing detail. They force her wings away and put a fucking net on her. Magical net. And Araceli's like, oh, this is awkward. Oh, I did not mean to do this. And she's like, um, so, and Sharsa's like, it's fine. It's fine. I know. It's fine. Just like, say goodbye to your grandson, because he's got to go, because he's seen too much. Right? She's like, listen, you fucked up, so you're going to let this kid go. We're all wasps here. We don't talk about our problems. (laughs) No. The child should leave. So... Uh, Araceli's like, ugh, I really don't want to, but yeah, you can go. You're mm. also welcome back. Anytime you like, you can be a prince. Don't you want to rule the world? And I'm just gonna be here like your cool Grammy that you can come visit anytime you want. Think of me more like an aunt. <laughs> yeah, like not not like an old grandma. I'm like a cool auntie. I'm like your, your, your nene. <laughs> so he's like, all right, well, I have no problem with this arrangement. And he goes back to Wyvern's court. I just want to say it's wild to me that all of this is the last chapter from like the moment he sees the Empress Mm -hmm. through her explaining everything and this fight and everything you're about to say. Like the next bit should have been an epilogue. Yeah, it is wild, right? Because like I was reading and I was like, oh, this is the last chapter. Like it's two freaking pages. Is he going to go back to his? Oh, he is going to go back to Wyvern's court. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> so, he, yeah, he walks in. He goes to his guest bedroom where I, I do love that when they came back the first time, Darian was like, yeah, I'm going to find somebody who can take care of High. That person is Nisius. <laughs> so he finds High sleeping. He's like, oh, I guess it didn't work. Real bummed. Well, he, he meets up with Eliza real quick first. Does he? Yeah. What's he say to Eliza? Well, he finds her on a grassy knoll about to kill JFK with her cousin and a couple <laughs> friends. 
and Maris, who's sitting close enough to Eliza for his hand to be touching hers. Which, I commented to you, I was irritated that her serpent suitor was nowhere in this book, not even mentioned as a person, because yeah. it kind of gets shoved in. And I'd liked, you know, the idea of maybe this really serpent-heavy girl, kind of like a just cute little avian boy, but whatever. Anyway, and she's like, are you back for good? I've been worried about you. And he's like, I think so. I have permission from both the Empress and her heir to be here. None of danger. And then she's like, all right, welcome home. And like gives him a hug. Like, that's it. That's the scene. Okay. Yeah, I completely forgot that. Then we get the stinger at the end of the trailer. Yeah. So yeah, he walks into his house and then he like sees that something in the room has been moved. And then he turns back around and Hai's like, welcome back, bud. And... <laughs> It's a really great stinger. Like, I really love this. Me too. Hi sits up and she takes, I guess the thing that she's grabbed from the box uh, that he sees is open is Anjay Cobriano's ring. The signet ring. Yes. And she tries to put it on and it's too big and she does magic and she makes it small enough to fit her. Please read the last two paragraphs. She opened one of her hands to reveal one of the Cobriano signet rings. I suppose it was my father's, Hai whispered, slipping it on just long enough to see that it was far too large for her. She took it off and closed it in her palm for a moment. When she tried it on again, it fit as if crafted for her hand. The casual use of power unnerved me, no less than her idly adorning herself with a symbol of the royal Serpiente house. What had I done? You are the one who woke me, my prince. Ashe Hana, the rest is in the future's hands. Dun, dun, dun. I love that. High's just like, yep, I'm a fucking princess. I got magic and I'm here to fuck up your shit. <laughs> You've been trying to protect Eliza this whole time. I'm just gonna take her fucking throne. Like, we don't know. I mean, we know what happens, but like, we don't know what's going to happen. But that seems like a bad fucking place for Nisius <laughs> to be at the end of all of this. And I love it. I love it, too, because, like, Nisius has spent this whole book jumping through hoops to protect Eliza and to be loyal to And to, to try to wake court. up high. And to try to wake up high. And then he does. And, oh, shit, I just really ruined stuff. <laughs> I made a terrible mistake. <laughs> right? I love that. I am on record as not being a big fan of high as a character, but... I love her in this book, though. Yes, same. I love how casual she is about, like, mm, uh, you fucked up, buddy. Mm, yeah it's all in fate's hand i guess we'll see how it goes because like i do not enjoy her in the next two books at all including the book where she's the narrator okay because like i hate fucking prophecies and she's a walking talking prophecy (laughs) everything she fucking says is a goddamn prophecy and i hate prophecies i hate being a gm dealing with characters who have prophecy abilities i'm just like (laughs) so like she's here and she's great but then we have to actually deal with her and that's Mm -hmm. not great okay yeah i do not remember a single fucking thing about the next two books so yeah i fucking see but yeah, so that's the end. I think it's a very good ending. It's yeah. a very season end cliffhanger, you know? Stuff has changed. And it's leading into the future, which none of the other books by this author, like obviously the first ones were kind of all written standalone, but within a world. None of the other ones have felt like they've led into something else that I cared about. Absolutely. So this is very good. This is friggin' this is Empire Strikes Back. You want to know where we're going. 
Yes. And it's it's such a good culmination of, like you said, these two plot threads that have been kind of going through this whole book where like, yes, they are resolved and they resolve together <laughs> in a way that is worse for both. <laughs> right. In a way that ups the fucking stakes that yeah. makes any difference mm-hmm. whatsoever, you know? Yeah. Right. Because because that's going to upset everything that the first two books worked for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> And like, and we already know Salem's out there, so he could have been a thing, but he he was Irene's kid, and Irene is younger than Zane. Mm-hmm. And you know, we've got Siv out there, who is you know the old queen's daughter uh, of the Hawks. So like, both of these people, like, you've abdicated to your daughter, so therefore Eliza's next in line. You are right. the younger child, so you know your older brother's child, Eliza, is next in line. Oh, dip. Angie's got a baby. Oh, fuck. She's here. She's got falcon magic. Right? And, like, Siv and um, Salem, like, they have any loyalty to Eliza. Yeah. Right? Like, they were raised knowing that she is going to be queen. I actually really like Salem a lot as a character, from what I remember in the next two books. Like, okay. he's super chill. He's like a prince who's like, I never have to be king. It's cool. <laughs> right? Second prince, fucking love it. Oh, I just can't wait to not be king. <laughs> yes, right. But then you have Hai who's just like, yeah, my whole life has been fucking pain and torture and I am ready to fuck some shit up. <laughs> I think that's so great. Such, such a good fucking slap in the face. Yep. All right. So other issues. Um, I'm sure I have issues, but I guess I want to just very briefly mention some things that I did like before we move on to the issues. Or unless you want me to save the couple things I did like until after. No, no, just, yeah, we're writing the we liked this high. Continue. Okay. Um, Something that I did like was that at one point I realized there'd only been like three or four named dudes who'd had any dialogue. Oh, yeah. That for the most part, this book is about women in varying degrees of power. A lot of them are very messy um, a bunch of them are in a lot of gray morality. They are allowed to make mistakes. They're allowed to be, for- some of them are allowed to be forgiven. Even though I'm like, what the fuck? Lillian and Darian are now working for Sharsa and working together, even though they hated each other. I still liked that they were like, eh, whatever, moving on. Like, <laughs> there was a lot of interesting dynamics between the women. Um, like, even the the hints that Calendarian may have been lovers previously. Like, there was a lot of women in this book, and I really fucking appreciated that. And just, like, that moment of realizing that even though this book is narrated by a dude... We're still surrounded by powerful women. Mm-hmm. I also enjoyed, even though a bunch of it's ridiculous, and like I said, I have issues that these characters are so interesting and that this world is so interesting. I liked the game of sleight of hand. I liked the way that everyone was being a pawn, even if some of it was over the top. I was like, sure, I'll suspend my disbelief. It felt like the courtly intrigue that I had been looking for among the avians. Mm-hmm. that we never got and that was fun and i'm pretty sure that's what kept me like reading more and more yeah the falcons are allowed to be a less than ideal society in a way that's interesting and not like not just like birds with stick up their butts right like the avians are constantly they're treated like shit by the narratives mm-hmm. even the people who like nisius grew up there he should have liked both sides 
but he still had a way of favoring the serpents in the in the tone of the descriptions and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, just like that the plot would be like, oh, and here's a bunch of avian matrons being shitty. And you're just like, oh, my God. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's like the avians are just sticks up their butts. But like the falcons are allowed to have this beautiful city, have these beautiful towers. They dance, they sing, they weave magic. They're affectionate to people. Like that was... Something severely lacking. I know so much more about the Falcons than I do about the Avians, even though we had Danica's perspective. Yep. I have a theory. Go for it. Um, Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about before we get into the big thing? I don't think so. Okay. So, we need to talk about the Falcons. (laughs) You know, in the recap, we talked about the origin story for the Serpiente Avian War, right? Mm Mm-hmm. That's kind of a problem. Extremely. So for me, when I read that part, literally two days, I was chewing on this. I was like, how does this figure into the books that we've read before? And like, how do I feel about this? Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it makes the rest of the series so far make sense in a way that they didn't before. We discussed how... These books haven't really been clicking with us, Snake Charm specifically, because it just doesn't seem like it was told by the right person, right? Or like, why are the Falcons there? Like, why is this important? What is the point of them? Right. Like, what are you doing? And in this, I feel like we see what the intention is here, or at least what I assume the intention is, which is that we're here to see the rise and fall of Wyvern's court. A very brief, (laughs) sad tale of the rise and fall of Wyvern's Court. (laughs) Yes. Like, we're not really here to hear Danica's story, to hear Zane's story, maybe not even to hear Nysias's or Eliza's or whatever. We're here to see this society. The individuals do not matter. Right. They can line up really well. Like, Hawksong was uh, obviously good for Danica to tell. Falcon Dance is obviously integral for Nysseus to tell. Mm -hmm. But you can see it in Snake Charm where, like, the Falcons are not important to Zane's story. Not at all. But, like, if you don't have the Falcons, then you aren't invested in Nysseus, who needs to go to the Falcons to find out why the Avians and Serpent are at war, right? right? Like, why did book one happen? Because Falcons. Right. Like, this whole book exists for that revelation. Mm-hmm. Because that is going to be the next two books, right? Right. The next book isn't going to be following Eliza's heart. It's going to be Eliza finding a way to not completely destroy everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in that respect, I can appreciate what happened in Snake Charm more because, you know, there's a reason for it. Like, fine. Still not a good book. Right. I said this recently about a show I was watching that, like, it doesn't matter if your first episode will be better on second watch. It needs to be worth watching in the first place so that I want to get to the reveals so that when I go back and I like watch it again I'm like wow this is actually great and that's Snake Charm's flaw yes you can appreciate it more later but when you read it the first time or the second time it's not a good book well and also 
there are ways to tell like the story of a society that still make every book compelling, still make yeah. the characters compelling. That are pretending to be about a romance or something. Right. And you do that by having multiple points of view. Yeah. <laughs> still, this is still where I live. Like, you could have fixed so much of this by just, even in fucking Hawk Song, just flipping between different characters. Could you imagine if Hawk Song was, like, the size of Hawk Song and Snake Charm put together, right? But just Hawk mm-hmm. Song. And it was, like, flipping between Danica and Irene uh, and Kel, or Erica. Mm-hmm. And we knew, I'm Irene, I'm pregnant. I need to solve this. I need to go to my brother. I'm Danica, I'm going to be queen and I need to try to solve this. I'm Erica, but I consider myself Kel and um, I'm, I'm a fucking secret exile. Like, what a interesting story it could have been for, from, like you said, the culture perspective of seeing these three women from these three different cultures. Even more so for Kel, because like, I'm Kel, I'm on the run. I know why these people are fighting. But I still fucking hate the serpents anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's that's inconsistent and does not hold up upon no, for sure, you know, for full sure. revelation. But, you know, you could have written it in such a way where she's like, I hate the serpents because I'm supposed to hate the serpents, but I don't really feel that. I just, I'm overshooting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm playing, I'm playing my character. Yeah. Um, but now we really, like, see, right? Like, this is why these stories exist, so that mm-hmm. we can get this, like, macro view of these societies. So, that's fine. That's uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll continue to read these books with that in mind. But right, now that we know this, the next two books will make more sense when we get there. Yes. That being said, the Falcon's history is a problem. and Highly, highly problematic. It's really only a problem if it's canon, because you can absolutely read everything that the Falcons say as being, like, informed by their shitty arrogance, right? Like, oh, yeah, those snakes, they kicked us out. Can you believe that? And look how it fucked them. And then we had to go clean up their mess. Ugh, terrible. Mm Do I believe you? You've been pretty unreliable narrators so far. Right? Like, absolutely, if the Falcon's version is incorrect, then we have some wiggle room. Because we're being told this by the people who literally did it. Right, right. This exactly. is not, I'm a scholar, or I, you know, my, I was a queen and my mother and blah, 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 blah. And this is the story we've been passed down. And that, No, this is literally the person who did it. Right. And like, and like, this is why I did it. Which like, fine, like you can, you can have your biases. But like, if the snakes pushed the falcons out and that threw things out of balance, if the snakes then didn't bother to know or to try to fix the problem that them being out of balance created, which is a big question mark for me. Right, like, Kiesha should have fucking known. Maeve should have known. Right? Like, the whole idea of, oh, they practiced black magic, so we kicked them out. Like, you know these people. What? Right? Like, you should know that the A, about the balance, or B, that being out of balance is going to cause a problem, and that's something you should fix. Yeah. Like, why are the Falcons being like, no, no, we're the only ones that get it. Right. Like, you should all be on the same level here. You were all in the same coven. Yeah. Come on. Um, C, that the breeding oh, is a problem. God. Well, one, I constantly hate the breeding, the discussion of mixed blood. Like, if someone could just say the word biracial that would be great but also could we stop fucking shaming people for that that would also be great (laughs) 
No, right. I mean, never. The Falcons, the Falcons are racist. Well, but all of them do. They're all like, oh, my mixed blood princess. And I'm like, are you kidding me? We all talk so clinically about breeding and mates and mixed blood. I'm like, my wife, my lover, we're biracial. This is my kid. I'm pregnant. (laughs) No, 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 no. Pair bond. But like the snakes, if they keep having kids, like they're just going to get more and more powerful and they're going to destroy the world. Like if all of this is canon, this is super gross. Yeah. This is like some colonizer mindset shit coming from the Falcons, which I get because the Falcons are obviously the white supremacists of this universe, right? Yeah, except that we're like also supposed to like them sort of, I guess. Yes, I know, right? That's what I was so mad about with Sifka is that like at the end of it, they push all of the villainy onto Sifka and then kill her. How do we not know that she would be a good empress? We don't know what her plans are. Well, even that, you've built this plot around Araceli's villainy, right? Yeah. But then you're like, oh no, Sifka was the real villain. And then that makes Araceli a neutral party? The like good guy? She was still doing stupid, like, she was still doing uncool shit. Right, and you can, as a reader, you can be like, oh no, the Falcons still suck. But Nisius parts on good terms with them. Like, he's allowed to with come both back. both of them, right? Right. This is some more turquoise and jaguar shit where she's going to go hang out at midnight. Like, you can't do this. Yeah. Like, this is still a fascist society where they torture people. You can't be on good terms with these people. Darian goes back to being in the fucking center of it as Mm -hmm. the mercy of the fucking empress. And she's all, like, proud of, like, oh, the empress likes to keep villains close or snakes close or whatever. And that's a good place for me. Like, what? (laughs) Right? And and Nisius is given this opportunity to, like, step in and try to wield some power to help. And he doesn't, which, you know, he wasn't raised among them. He really doesn't know them. Like, it's right. Like, I'm glad not he's not this, this savior coming in and fixing all of their problems because they do need to solve it themselves. But, like... Right. But, like, somebody needs to. <laughs> Somebody's got to fucking fix somebody. this. And I feel like... We're supposed to think that maybe Araceli being freed from this whatever might change stuff, but like... Except that we know that people have been having a problem and and hiding at the Hawk's Keep and now the Wyvern's Court for probably as long as the avians and snakes have been at war. So like, can't have been that good beforehand. And also, the Falcons started this whole problem by ripping up the serpent's power so like they've never been good this isn't like oh actually she's good they started off like doing some really fucking problematic white savior bullshit yeah so that's where i am in in that at the end of this where i'm like the falcon should not be word of god but it feels like the falcon's version is kind of word of god obviously the next two books the context can change hopefully I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, right. That's the problem. Like, I don't, I seriously considered reading the end of Wolf Cry just to see, like, what they said, but I didn't <laughs> do it. But yeah, so, like, the context in which this civilization collapses is going to be really important because this cannot be canon. I don't remember. I feel like it's partially, at least. We know that the civilization, civilization of Wyvern's Court doesn't flourish. We don't know mm-hmm. if or when it fully collapses but we know that it's like a project that didn't work because it is 680 ish bce and 
by 18 no something there's no mention in the series at that point there's just snakes and birds at war and we live in another continent now nobody talks about wyvern's court we're not one culture yeah so like this doesn't work and the context in which it doesn't work is going to be super important yeah we've also talked about how the serpiente are white like there's no getting around it yeah but the serpiente can very easily be red as people of color which is i think something we discussed in hawk song and in snake charm where it opens with like my people come from you know egypt we're like how is that possible if you're all so white (laughs) (laughs) right but i think that this comes back into being a problem Mm -hmm. when you have the context of the falcons and what they've done right because yeah i start thinking about how the serpents get really othered and really exotified and hypersexualized. Oh, even even friggin' Nicias calls like in the in the, what was it the first page, the first mm-hmm. page, and we were both like were screaming at each other. They are not the velvet floor of the nest of the exotic serpents dance. It's not exotic if you've grown up with it. Like exactly. exotic literally means unusual, unfamiliar. Ugh, literally can't be that. Yeah. But you only use that word if that's what you're trying to invoke, right? So, you know, we've had this thing with the serpents where they're, like, super exotified, hypersexualized. So, like, even though we are told very clearly that they are whitey McWhite whites, that context put on what the Falcons have done to save them from their own foolishness, their own progeny from their from their own culture like we have to save you from your magic because you're they literally say savage yeah (laughs) and i'm like oh god yeah it's extremely problematic yeah it's like you are literally doing the fucking white falcon's burden here right and if you have created your world to justify this like so they talk about how Keisha's magic and her her people's magic is a problem because destruction unchecked destruction will destroy the world right and on meek isn't a problem because no uh, he just we'll brings just stillness and still and go to sleep and it's like but stillness can still be a problem unchanging not willing to think of you know like progress like none of you are looking at the fucking reality <laughs> right like you can freeze a world in place with unchecked stillness and that's just as bad as destroying this because it is essentially destroyed right it can't grow right like um you could say that like oh our unchecked magic will make you know echel swallow the world or whatever right like, we will all return to nothing we need each other we need to mend the wounds of our once joint culture like, these are not natural forces that exist in the real world that we live in. Like, these are choices that an author has made. And if they have made these specific choices, it's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. I think that this also really robs the avians and the serpiente of their agency. If you have made it a world rule that they will never be able to get along because their cultures are too different. Right. And, like, I know at one point Sharsa is like, I dove into Echol and forced fate to change against her will, blah, 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 to make that happen? Mm-hmm. Who are you? You're not so fucking powerful. You're just a member of the Dasi. You're just a priestess. Okay, so you burned a lot of energy, and that's why you're kind of an absent queen now. But fuck you. 
don't you tell people who they are and what they are and that they can never and they were designed that way bloody bloody blah and oh they'll be unchecked destruction like this series started out and this is what gets me with hawk song being written we're back to 9-11 uh <laughs> you know like it, it found its heart because of 9-11 with the idea of bringing two cultures together and now it is just backtracking but it's more like a dump truck backing up over <laughs> a corpse repeatedly being like no actually that wasn't the plot gotta kill it these people can't ever come together there's no coming together this isn't a story about that like you lost the plot somewhere this should be about fuck you falcons you think you're so cool you think you did this thing well you know what you kept us at war for a long time that's true but mm -hmm. humans do it all the time. Humans live together. And if their culture changes, fine. But they always have their rituals and their holidays and the things that mean something to them. And what's so scary about change anyway, ye of stillness? Exactly. If these books are going to proceed like that, then like the things that Sharsa tells him make sense, right? Because like they're coming from the perspective of somebody who literally can't change and yeah. can never conceive of cultures changing to adapt to one another. But if that doesn't fucking happen. Right? Like the book says this won't happen. And so the next two books are just going to be, you're right, this won't happen. There needs to be something. Like there needs to, they need to mitigate this bomb that they dropped. Well, it was like the beginning where we were like him being like, we can't be together because reasons. Okay, so clearly the plot is why they get together because of other reasons. No, right. no, 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 we can't get together. Oh, okay. These two cultures can never get together because reasons. Oh, so the plot is going to be how they get together from other reasons? No, they can't ever get together. Why am I reading you? <laughs> <laughs> right. And, like, it's not to say that there can't be an interesting or unproblematic story about a civilization that failed, like an experiment that failed. Like, that, you can right. absolutely tell that story. But not like this. <laughs> not like this. No, not like this. This is, this is extremely problematic. Uh, it's just so white. It's extremely, like, ingrained colonizer mindset. Like, all of these things, these tropes that we're unloading on the Serpiente, even as they are white people. Yeah. Sexy dancers who will steal your ladies. Yes, they're all extremely coded. Uh -huh. Even when they're they're not, you know? Right? Where it's like, mm, this would only be worse if they were in fact people of color. Right, exactly. Which is why we are super grateful that they are not. <laughs> Still a problem. Still a problem because of the coding. So after Sharsa tells him all the shit, so reasonable, super reasonable, definitely. <laughs> um <laughs> And she says, it will destroy them first, then their people, and quite possibly the rest of their world as well, until stopped by the only thing that can balance on Hamarok. Lack of existence, lack of anything left to burn. And then she looks at him. Can you understand, Anisius? And he goes in his mind, could I? Did I? Perhaps the ends did justify Sharsha's means. But even if they did, what was there to do? She says this thing, and you're just like, well, maybe the ends justifies the means child you're showing me your hand here and you grew up in a world that didn't have this idea like nisius is so like just internally racist about everything it made me very irritated with him like i said he's ultimately as a character a good boy who's trying to do things but mm -hmm. do you understand yeah i guess the means justifies the ends no 
You don't even <laughs> consider another option. You just go, yeah, she's kind of right. I'm like, how is this not mental manipulation? Why isn't Darian jumping up and being like, yes, yes, she's fucking manipulating you. That oh. would have been great. Like, but no, he's just so, the avians are prudes and the serpiente are, are too sexy and the falcons probably did the right thing because gosh, don't want them to burn. There's definitely not a third option. Right. That was my other concern about like whether or not we were supposed to take this at face value because before Nicias has his conversation with Sharsa, Sharsa's like, oh yeah, if I lie to you, Darian will tell you. And Darian never says anything. Darian doesn't speak up. And like, obviously she can tell him this without lying because this is what she believes is the truth. But like, right. I feel like that line is there to make sure that you, the reader, no, she's not lying. Yeah. And it makes the audience go, yeah, I guess the ends justifies the means. What are we going to do about it? Right. Especially if Nysseus isn't like then thinking about like the thousands of years of war that have scarred like up to his generation. Right. Like his best friend's mom and dad, like his mom and dad, like, like they have to have grown up in the shadow of like all of this death and destruction. They have to take this seriously, more seriously than someone who's able to say, oh, maybe it was all worth it. (laughs) Fuck you. Oh, God. And to me, this whole thing also explains why the Avians are so underdeveloped. Because Mm -hmm. if you're coming at it from a perspective of like, the two cultures that I was really interested in are the Serpiente and the Falcons, and they're the only ones that existed at first. And the Avians are literally created to be... Literally half a culture. Right. And they're created to be the opposite of these cultures that you find interesting. Yeah. Their things are the opposite of the interesting things, and they definitely, in a thousand years, didn't develop their own beautiful things that let them be interesting. No, no, no. Everything stayed the same. Culture did not change, even though they are pieces of Anhamarok. Everyone stayed the same. Right. And like, to me, this is just like, you can see where these hawks have sort of been built backwards. Right, and not well. There was a line, uh, so it's the closing line on chapter six, where he's already on the island, and he's overhearing Sifka and Araceli talking, and he's he's leaving the hall, and he says, I resolved to try to look upon what I found here with a more open mind. I would not dismiss everything my parents had told me, but... I would try not to be as biased as an avian matron watching the serpents dance. And I messaged you because of how pissed that line made me. (laughs) One, it's always an avian matron. Two, it's always avians being prudes about how sexy the serpents are. It's Mm -hmm. never like a serpent who doesn't understand the gentle request of a, of an avian gentleman uh. or something, you know, that I, I'm already taken. Thank you. Like, like there's never any positivity towards the avians. It's all just these clucking hens, da, da, da. They just don't appreciate our dances with swords. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I hate it. Yeah. You know, we've, we've been feeling it for two books, but now it's just like, okay, that's why. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got anything else? No, that's all I had. How about you? I may have had other things, but it doesn't really... Oh, no, wait! I remember a thing. Okay. 
the mental health stigma in this book goes off the freaking charts. The ableism Mm -hmm. around both, like, physical and mental disorders, I just loathe it. Because constantly there's mentions of people being crazy or mad or insane, and that there's, like, no indication that you could live a happy, healthy life if you are not, quote-unquote, this says this, whole. Mm. Like, at one point, Darian is like, you couldn't dive that far, you know, and still come back whole. Mm. And I, I, I think this is a lot of what I don't like about the fifth book as well, because it's High's book. Mm-hmm. But, um... I'm going to save most of my rage for that one, because (laughs) this is just a general sense of, I hate that the Falcons are even more fascists, Mm -hmm. that they're like, no, you have to be perfect and flawless in every kind of way. Yeah. Like, oh, but we we keep them all in this tower that's definitely not a prison or a mental health ward, (laughs) and they've got one dude who looks over them, and no one's going to try to help them. We'll just let them do their thing no one ever comes out of it it's fine let them rest right that nobody has tried to perfect the skill of diving into echel to save the people who have fallen there right only darian yeah in in 2000 years only darian <laughs> like i get that there's you know the stuff of like well they're a, a culture of stillness they're they're not used to change you know it makes people like darian huge revolutionaries in that regard you know like helping people off the island working from within trying to help people out of echo but even she can't do it as much so i don't know it's just it's really unsettling and not in like a ooh that was a fun unsettling horror trope i do love that there are so many ways to be magically mentally ill in these worlds right you fall into echo you make magic too quick you don't make any magic you piss off the queen like i just how are there any of them? How can anybody live up to these fucking standards? <laughs> Maybe that's why they have such young guards, is that they keep, you know, murdering all the old ones. <laughs> right? Where are the other ones if these people are your fucking people? Like, how was there room for Darian and Lily to join the four mercy of the Empress's guard? Because you tell me there's only supposed to be four of each, so what'd you do? Where'd you send them? <laughs> Uh, all right i think i'm done now okay all right well that's the episode i guess uh would you would you recommend this book to somebody ollie i would love to recommend this book to someone who is like well aware going in of all the shit like maybe not to the level that we've discussed i would want to know someone's opinion reading this as the first book in the series they read I think there's a lot of really pretty imagery, but I wouldn't want them to have to sit through. I mean, ultimately, I would want to have them to have to sit through Snake Charm. And with the way it ends with, yeah, maybe the ends do justify the means. I wouldn't feel good about recommending this to someone as like a nice fun read. Mm-hmm. If someone was like, I want to read something where a bunch of fascists brainwash other people into into shit and watch a civilization collapse be like well i got a book for you <laughs> really weirdly specific request <laughs> or even if someone was just like i want to read a story that is ultimately kind of dark and is about like shit not working out in a fantasy world i would be like probably these next three books 
So I would say right now, I'm going to hold on Falcon Dance because it cannot be read as a standalone. I think you can read it as the first one in the series, maybe. Like, that you'd be like, eh, sure, I, I believe that stuff happened. But you really need the follow-up. You can't just end with, like, hi as a stinger and what is Eliza going to do? Like, you need to know what happens. Yeah, I think this, more than any of the other books, requires the context of the books around it. Um, yeah. Given that this book is designed to give you the Serpiente Hawk uh, revelation, like you kind of need the investment of having read uh, about Danica and Zane and how. Oh, definitely. Like, like you would not be nearly as invested with that revelation. I think you can. Like I said, I want to see someone read it who hasn't, but it's a middle child for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Uh, I'm, I'm same. I, I feel like I need to read the next two to see if like how how much of a trash fire it turns out to be because if this turns out to be you know the story of how falcon supremacists successfully white saviored these savage serpiente then you know what you probably don't need to read these books (laughs) yeah and as this book individually like it's unfortunate because nisius is a really interesting character he's ultimately trying to do good Mm mm-hmm He's not given a lot of good options, and he doesn't try to think of new ones. Yeah, we we talked about that a little bit, about how it felt like a lot of the last chapter was shutting down alternatives to make it that the only way forward is the one that the books have sort of decided on. Right, because doesn't even Araceli is like, hey, so you kind of like that girl? Don't do it. Don't put your dick in it. No hand stuff, no mouth stuff. Get away. <laughs> right. So we'll see. And it's weird because I, I really enjoyed reading this book and it entertained me. It it caught my interest. I couldn't put it down at times. Sometimes in the train wreck sense of like, where the fuck is this going? Holy <laughs> shit. But not from the perspective of this book is so bad. Where is it going? Yeah. So it's interesting. Well, all right. I look forward to seeing where it goes. With Wolf yep. Cry. Big same. I am Ollie, and you can find me on Twitter at Olivia Hennis. And you can follow the podcast, which you totally should do, at Backlist Podcast. Thank you, those who follow us there and have a good time. How about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Endless underscore Run. And you can also find the podcast at patreon.com slash Backlist and Chill where you can support us and uh, get episodes pretty early. And we want to thank our new patron, Nathan. Welcome. We appreciate you. Yes, we do. Hope you keep enjoying the podcast. (laughs) Even if you haven't read these books, it's cool. We're goofy. All right, we'll catch you all next time for Wolf Cry. Bye. Bye.